0: Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and say you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Startups, you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money. Mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience, giving ambitious companies greater precision, control, and focus without compromising security. Open smarter checking and savings accounts, control spend, optimize cash flow, and close the books in record time. Visit Mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level.
2: I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as someone who wants to be the subject of a documentary, but only if they play sad violin music while an actor reads my text messages. But in my spare time, I'm a technology journalist, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech, politics, and media. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair, it's my great privilege to have Ken Burns, a filmmaker who's been making incredible documentaries for public television for almost 40 years. His most recent documentary is a series called Country Music. People don't know this, but I'm an enormous country music fan. He also founded an online video website last year called Unum, which offers visitors a different way to explore the themes that have emerged from his films and across American history. Ken, welcome to Rico Decode. We have Thank so you. much to talk about. Thank you. We um, do. So let's talk a little bit about this current thing, country music, first, and then we'll go into some other stuff. It's a wonderful documentary. It's just—I just—, I just uh, I just love country music, so it was, a, it was a thrill to watch. I watched all your documentaries, obviously, but this one uh, was really special to me because uh, my family's from West Virginia, a lot of bluegrass, and I just have always had an affinity for country music, me and uh, George Bush, Sr. Um, so talk a little bit about sort of why you decided to do this and how you make a decision like this.
3: Well, we always have the antenna out for good stories, and mm-hmm. I can't think of a better story. I'm actually a little bit surprised that we didn't do this before. Mm-hmm. You know, Country music is just a wonderful Russian novel of... Nearly a century of action, really dramatic action, uh, with dozens of characters, primary, secondary, tertiary, bit parts strutting and fretting their hour on the stage. And incredible music. And sort of buttressing that music are the individual stories. When you find out, for example, why Dolly Parton wrote I Will Always Love You, her version, which has been in the shadow of Whitney Houston's of crossover version, which is wonderful. And I'll take nothing away Time from Time for Dolly
2: thrilled, given—
3: I think her version, Dolly's version, oh, right. just beautiful. goes up to the top. And she's got one of the greatest voices. She's one of the greatest singer-songwriters, great businesswoman, everything, the whole package. And she's never sung a wrong note, several people in music have told me, as mm-hmm. we were working on this project. And that's pretty she's, impressive
2: to me she comes through throughout this whole. she's I, I literally can't I've been to Dollywood that's how you know, much I love Dolly you Barton. know she
3: said something to us in the interview I, I was privileged to interview her in in that case and and she said you know when I was growing up I, I modeled my look on the town trollop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was a wonderful I don't think it was admission she's always been brutally honest in a, right. in a, in a g- very generous way but the idea that you can have this person from East Tennessee coming out of unbelievable poverty her father father paid the doctor that came into the holler to deliver with a sack of cornmeal. This is Dolly mm-hmm. Parton. This is not right. somebody way back when before sure. the Depression or during. the This is Dolly Parton. And yet she understood some dynamic. This is who she thought was a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. And she's modeled it. It turns out to be this, you know, it intersects with camp and, and kind of kitchen, mm-hmm. high art, and, and, and delights us all. Mm-hmm. Regardless, you can't not... And she opens her mouth and sings, you can't not like Dolly Parton. There is can't. something
2: about her that is truly American it's, in terms of, of the good part. I and, mean.
3: and that may be that may extend to all of country music. I mm-hmm. mean, we tend to, for commerce, for convenience, for whatever it is, uh, to categorize everything into its own little silo. And then we, mm-hmm. we make it a, a separate island nation. Right, as the identity is poly- essentially. As if you need some passport to get there. But... Country music is connected to the blues, it's connected to jazz, it's connected to R&B, it is with R&B, the parents of rock and roll, so it's connected to rock and to folk and to pop and to rap and to even classical music, and so it's all mixed in. There are no borders. The people move back and forth uh, all the time, and it just becomes important to just throw away these things and just say it never was one thing at its founding. Each of its two great superstars, Jimmy Rogers, was himself a mixture, and so were the Carter family. Mm-hmm. And the Carter family and Jimmy Rogers don't sound anything alike. Absolutely not. And then from then on, it omnivorously goes and gobbles up all this other uh, forms of Western cowboy music, Western swing, the Bakersfield sound. I like sound. that
2: you started on the on the Kathy Mattea. um. With that painting, which I've seen, which I've been to the Country Music Hall of Fame, um, which is a beautiful painting. It's a beautiful
3: painting. So here's the inside dope, which mm-hmm. is in the late 80s, Julie Dunphy, who is one of the three producers, myself, Dayton Duncan, who was also the writer, and Julie Dunphy, and I produced the country music. But she and I, in the late 80s, made a film on Thomas Hart Benton, and the final climactic scene is him saying to Rita, his wife— I think I've finished this thing, and I'm going to go out and sign it. And he doesn't mm-hmm. come back, mm-hmm. and she finds him dead on the floor, having not signed the sources of country music. And so that's the end of a film we made decades mm-hmm. ago. Is now the opening of a film we just made. Yeah,
2: that was int- it. Was a fascinating selection. I was like, that's so interesting, and especially because Kathy Mattea worked in the Country Music Hall of Fame.
3: She couldn't get a job waiting tables, so right. she became a tour guide in something she knew nothing about, but then got that education. And right. What she describes and well, Mary talk I, about
2: that painting because I think it really. So that, the painting is
3: beautifully for the entire it, series. People of my age remember their history textbooks with Thomas Hart Benton and, right. and Grant Wood photographs. That's how we understood American history visually, these kind of muscular, hyper-colorful things. And that's what this is. It's got a gospel choir. It's got people with lap dulcimers. It's got slaves. It's got a train. It's got a steamboat. It's got the banjo coming from uh, Africa. Africa. You've got cowboys and guitars and fiddles. And it's all there. It's just this incredible melange, mural type thing and she says it's very colorful and it mirrors something that at the very end of the film, Marty Stewart, who's sort of our zealot uh, throughout the film, he seems to have been everywhere in the history of country music or absorbed that history mm-hmm. he says it's very colorful and here I invite you in and and I think the whole series, and not consciously it, it sort of evolved that way, mm-hmm. is bracketed by, by that, uh, kind of On sitting on top of things, how colorful it is, which speaks to the stories. And then it's also, there's something mysterious about it. In the very beginning, um, Merle Haggard says, in the opening of the film, just a couple seconds after uh, Kathy's story, he says, it's about things we believe in but can't see, Mm -hmm. like dreams and songs and souls. Mm -hmm. And then at the very end of the film, near the end, Vince Gill says, all I've ever wanted from music is to be moved. Mm -hmm. And so what you have is this music we we find very easy to, Categorize Very easy to say it's only this thing and right. it's superficial. It belongs to a certain group of people that are now perhaps flyover people and right. and, and their stories don't deserve to be told, which is absurd in the mm-hmm. United States. But it is, in fact, as the songwriter Holland Howard said, three chords and the truth. Right.
2: right. I was just going to ask you about that. It, that, was a great, that was a great way also to open it.
3: So he says this, and what he's acknowledging is just a fundamental truth. This does not have the sophistication and complication of classical music or mm-hmm. some forms of jazz, but that back half, the predicate, the truth—it mm-hmm. means that it's it is mainlining with very elemental but deeply personal music and lyrics, universal human experiences. Right. Right. When When Hank Williams said, "I'm so lonesome I could cry," there is no one on the right. planet right. that doesn't know what he means. My Johnny Cash yeah. says, oh, Johnny cash actually all of them." Um, At my door, the leaves are falling, a cold, wild wind will come. Sweethearts walk by together, but I still miss someone. I go Mm -hmm. out on a party to look for a little fun, but I find a darkened corner because I still miss someone. Oh, I'll never get over her blue (laughs) eyes. I see them everywhere. I miss the arms that held me when all the love was there. I wonder if she's sorry for leaving what we'd begun. There's someone for me somewhere. But I Still Miss Someone.
2: It's a great song. It is. That is fantastic. And it also echoes uh, the Bob Dylan's, a lot of Bob Dylan songs.
3: Bob Dylan, Dylan, we have a, it's very funny. We sort of end the film with Roseanne having to sing that at his memorial service Mm -hmm. at the Grand Ole Opry. But way back in episode four or five, he and Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash and Bob Dylan, are fooling around on a piano. And Roseanne says, Bob Dylan knows I still miss someone better than my dad.
2: A hundred percent. That the link there was amazing because you really do see it because I think that's what the film does well is linking, linking people with other people. And of course, Johnny Cash you could easily link to mm, Bob Dylan.
3: There's another if you moment. Think about it. When oh no, they're, yeah. they're completely tied. And of course, it's only their friendship that permits uh, Johnny Cash to ask, and more important for Bob Dylan to say yes to coming on his nationally broadcast show. You just never saw Bob Dylan mm-hmm. on national television. There he is singing "Girl from the North Country" mm-hmm. with Johnny Cash, and as Roseanne said. I'm the coolest 13-year-old uh, in the yeah. <laughs> planet when she went to school the next day. Brenda Lee says at one point, you know, I just did the songs that I loved, and they told me I was rockabilly, then they told me I was rock, then they told me I was folk, then they told me I was pop, then I told me it was this. And it begins to tell you that, that we waste so much time. It's just like and with, with Little Nas X. We're yeah. having a huge, oh. um, you know, problem with Billboard for a while not letting that be on the country thing, and you go, who cares? Right, it's right. the number one song of well, all time. Well, you know,
2: every group of music gets a certain royalty, a certain, you know, I think I'm the only person who watched Nashville, of course, the entire, <laughs> I love that show. i Connie Britton. But one of the things that uh, that I thought was very interesting, at the beginning, one of the songs, one of my favorite songs, uh, was I'll Fly Away, yeah. um, which I think is, I would forgotten about it. You know, I used to listen to it all the time, but now I'm listening Betsy to Johnson it. sings it
3: yeah. a cappella for us, and that was so great. We that asked, was astonishing. We asked folks to bring their instruments, Mm-hmm. And sometimes that meant their voice. And so every once in a while, Dolly just breaks off and says, this is the song that we heard from granddaddy who sang it to mommy who sang it to me. Mm-hmm. And then you understand it. She says these are heirlooms passed down where somebody says, well, let me just pick up. This is how uh, Marty Stewart says on the mandolin. This is how what Bill Monroe did. It mm-hmm. sounds like somebody's trying to imitate Charlie Parker or Dizzy Gillespie's bebop chops, you know, sure. fast and furious and then it's somebody just breaking into song and, and we love that extra dimension when you take on a subject which is in this case music as I did a couple decades ago on jazz. When people brought their instruments or brought their voice and they scattered or they you know, at one point Winton in jazz just breaks down and does the entire count basis orchestra. In? We bring Winton because he also says, like mm-hmm. Merle, that music is the art of the invisible. Mm-hmm. That means it works on us faster than any other right. art form. Right. We and it's the only art form that you can't see.
2: Let's talk about the, the different parts of that of that Thomas Bernhard thing, the church part first. Yeah. Obviously, so much of it is from that genre. Talk a little bit about that.
3: So there is—and in fact, I, I can go to Winton. He said, we all have an ethnic heritage, but we have a human heritage that's much more uh, important. And it happens to me no less than it happens to you. So what country music is engaging are these age-old themes like the joy of birth, the sorrow at death, a broken heart— anger, jealousy, rage. Look what I did to my old lady. Look what my old lady did to me. Mm-hmm. How do I get right with God? And so a huge part of these universal human questions is a search for redemption, mm-hmm. a question about what is the meaning of life. Now that goes off and, and you know, your eyes glaze over. But when you're dealing with it at a, at a at a pop level, at a country music, at a at a blues, at an R&B level, it's just fundamental, where are you? Mm-hmm. And a good deal of this is born in the church. And the Carter family represents a huge Absolutely. tradition that runs yes. through uh, jazz, it runs through blues, it runs through pop— and it's mirrored by the Jimmy Rogers types that are Saturday night, the rogue, the scamps, the mm-hmm. habituas a great of bunch of, of dark. Sa-
2: Saturday night and you yeah. have to have Sunday morning. And
3: then you have to have Sunday morning. Yeah. And so Sunday morning is there to, it's, it's actually well, there. Well,
2: talk, the, talk about the Carter family, because I don't think people realize how important this family was
3: to it. Well, first of all, this is a story that surprisingly is a, is a story of strong women all mm-hmm. the way through. And this is not true of jazz, which is mm-hmm. a fraternity. It's not true of rock, which is a fraternity. This is the story, the original American. American. American lead guitarist is Mother Maybelle Carter. Right. The original sort of keening voice that coming out of, as Roseanne Cash would say, out of the bedrock formations that have been around as old as the earth is Sarah Carter. AP is a song collector that requires an African-American pal to travel around and try to pick up these melodies that come both from a white Protestant tradition, both secular as well as religious right. so I'll give you a really good example and this is a wonderful kind of mind-blowing thing is that there's a 19th century hymn that gets taken by an African American church mm-hmm. which Leslie Riddle the song catcher with A.P. Carter uh, knows very well because it's a wonderful gospel stomp called When the World's on Fire mm-hmm. the Carter family love the melody ditch the lyrics and have one of their biggest hits, Little Darling, Pal of Mine same melody Woody Guthrie comes through, loves the melody, ditches the lyrics, and writes, this land is your land, mm-hmm. all with the same melody. Right. When the world's on fire, little darling, pal of mine, this land is your land. So you begin to see the utter American thing, the synthesis, nothing, everything's always a connection, everything's always an alloy, stronger because of its constituent parts. And that's why, especially today, when we're so polarized, anybody who suggests that w- what's really American is to pull out this one thing. Right you've automatically, a priori, weakened the alloy. Absolutely. And so what we're doing with my whole work is, you know that late historian Arthur Schlesinger Jr. said that we suffer today from too much pluribus and not enough unum. <laughs> I'm in the business of unum. I, 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 I want just, to talk about that. I just too. want to. I, I want to be able to tell stories that we can all share.
2: We'll get to that. But it is interesting how country music's gotten polarized that way because it isn't. Like whenever I tell people I have country, music, they're like, "What?" And I'm yeah, like, that why means you're not? a
3: red state, red no, mac, right? no. Yeah. Why
2: would you be? It's beautiful. It's it's it's, it's, it's uh, art. It's art exactly. So talk. About, so the Carter family was one part of it, and then Jimmy Rogers yeah. was
3: the other. So Jimmy Rogers is coming from southern Mississippi. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's been a water boy on the all-black crews of the Southern Mississippi Railroad that are laying track, so he is suffused with the blues. All the other great early people, the Mount Rushmore of country music, like A.P. Carter, like Hank Williams, like Johnny Cash, like Bill Monroe, they all have African-American mentors tutors who take their chops from here to way up here that justify their position in Mount Rushmore. Jimmy Rogers is just suffused with the blues and all of the folk traditions that he's going to have. And he comes up and becomes the first grade superstar of the music. And every other title is said blue yodel number this or yodel this or blue this. He understands where the makeup of us Mm -hmm. comes from. And not just the U.S. Mm -hmm. capitalized version, but the two-letter plural pronoun that I'm equally as interested in, which is the us, along with we and our, that has a kind of intimacy that we can talk about. And I think the stories in country music kind of reverberate between the U.S. and us. And so what what Jimmy Rogers represents and what brings to the table is this huge dynamic of a mix of white and black in the American South that's suffused with the blues and with a folk tradition. The Carter family is doing it, too. They're collecting African-American songs and reworking them, but they feel a little bit more— uh, about Sunday morning. They're mm-hmm. about family, about church, about mother, about home. And he's about the road. He's about the bar. He's about drinking. He's about disease. He's got tuberculosis. He's going to mm-hmm. die super young, but he's willing to talk about it. And. It's it's wonderful when someone goes out in our world, even today, and is frank about an addiction or frank about a pain, frank about a loss, and, and Jimmy Rogers was about that. So people, particularly the lungers, and you have to realize he's—at that time, tuberculosis is the number one killer in America. They're saying, spit her up, you know, mm-hmm. Jimmy, spit her up, like tell the truth. Give him hell, Harry. I mean, this, right. these are great traditions of someone— who feels that they've come from the same place as everybody else, their art and their gift has been able, they've been able to transcend perhaps the financial circumstances of that poverty, but they have never forgotten where they've gone to. And unlike any other musical form, country music stars are like that today. Mm -hmm. Our last chapter is called Don't Get Above Your Raisin, that old Southern Mm -hmm. saying, you know, don't Mm -hmm. get too big for your britches, don't forget where you came from, because... Unlike rock, you can't go to Mick Jagger and say, hey, man, great second set. You can't go to Leonard Bernstein and say, you nailed that first movement, uh, Mm -hmm. Maestro. You don't have a chance. But you can tell Garth how much that song meant. You can tell Lou Harris or Kathy Matea, my mom died of the same thing, or I lost my lover too in the same way you did. And and that song you wrote, you know, Mm -hmm. from Boulder to Birmingham, the way you sang that, it Mm -hmm. just was allowed me to express my grief. That's the great secret of country music. And I haven't once mentioned identity politics.
2: Right, right, absolutely. One of the things I want to talk a little bit about women and African Americans. Let's first talk about that; those contributions. One of the the things you take on is this. You call it white men's it white men's soul music, or is that right? Correct. In the in
3: the yeah, but Chris Christopherson says yes, in the opening right. that he says it's it's kind of the white people's soul music, uh-huh. country music. Talk about that. I think when he says it, I, I I notice even as I've watched it a thousand times, there's a little bit of a hitch in my giddy-up because I want to yeah. go oh. Oh, don't go, don't go there. Right. It's immediately ameliorated by the presence of Charlie Pride, who comes in. I believe there's a country right, song for every that. move <laughs> you're in, and some may make you cry, but you'll feel better. What Chris means is that white people have taken black music and made it their own, and here's the. The opposite side of that, Mm -hmm. because we always will like to gravitate in this identity politics, which runs both ways, and go into appropriation. So when Ray Charles is given creative control of an album for the first time in his unbelievable career— he chooses to record modern sounds in country and Western music that's released in uh, early 62. And the number one song of the summer of 62 is I Can't Stop Loving You. Mm-hmm. You go back and listen to that. It's a country song. Mm-hmm. This is a soul singer. This is an R&B singer at the highest level that we've ever heard that singing. Who, who is as good as him? Aretha Franklin, Marvin Gaye, Sam Cooke at mm-hmm. that level and he's recorded an album of country songs, and there's Hank Williams songs, and there's this, and there's that, and there's Don Gibson's I Can't Stop Loving You, and that crossed over, and it was the chart. So here, we presume that African Americans listen to their stations, and white people listen to their stations, and never the twain shall meet. Completely false. Our whole identity of Americans is this mixture and this Mm cross-pollination. So what's so surprising, and, and in some ways, satisfying and liberating is to see the African-American influence throughout the history of country music, and more important, the continuing influence after Mother Maybelle and Sarah Carter of women throughout. So there's Maddox Brothers and Rose, fronted by the little sister, Rose Maddox, the most effervescent singer when the, and the most colorful hillbilly band ever. You've got Kitty Wells singing God Didn't Make uh, Honky Tonky. I'm you know, just glad you brought Kitty Wells in. You know, I she's fantastic. Wanda Jackson, you know, who does 20 years before Tina Turner does it, we're going to do something soft and easy and then we're going to do hard. She says, I'd like to sing you this you know, beautiful love song ballad. And then she breaks into hard-headed mm. woman. And then you've got Patsy Klein. Mm-hmm. And then you have Loretta Lynn. Loretta Lynn is singing Don't Come Home a-drinkin' with Lovin' on Your Mind and The Pill well before right. anyone else in rock or folk is taking that up and mm-hmm. might come back with a black eye if they did mm-hmm. Uh, bring it up, but she's willing to say she's not. It's the same year. Uh, don't come home a drinking. Same year as the National Organization for Women comes. The word women's liberation enters into the lexicon, but she's not going to identify right. this. But she's just speaking above that to the people who understand yeah, what that means. That so, yeah. and then and then I haven't brought up, you know, Dolly or Reba or Kathy or Mary Chapin Carpenter or all these strong women that have been right perpetually through country music. So. All right, we're
2: talking about that more with Ken Burns. Actually, my favorite literal song remains, You're the Reason Our Kids Are Ugly. Yes, no,
3: no, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's so good. It's, so it's good. Funny. I
2: listen to it all the time, it makes me laugh. Anyway, we're here with Ken Burns, the director of several documentary series, uh, most recently country music. We're talking about that, we'll talk about that and more when we get back after this. Support for this show
0: comes from Indeed. Imagine the perfect employee. Let's call her Jackie. terms and conditions apply need to hire you need
1: indeed startups you don't need to settle for a cumbersome banking experience to protect your money mercury offers banking and credit cards with effortless experience giving ambitious companies greater precision control and focus without compromising security open smarter checking and savings accounts control spend optimize cash flow and close the books in record time Visit mercury.com to join more than 100,000 startups that trust Mercury with their finances and to help them perform at their highest level.
2: We're here with Ken Burns, who really needs no introduction. He's a filmmaker who's made amazing documentaries uh, for public television for almost 40 years. His most recent documentary series is called Country Music. We are talking about the impact of women um, on it. Uh, you mentioned, you just went through a line of amazing women singers. Uh, you know, Reba McIntyre, uh, Patsy Cline, um, Kathy Matea, Dolly Parton obviously at the top of the game, I think, and still at the top of the game. If uh, Astonishing. My favorite song of hers it, it remains Jolene. Oh, it's, so uh,
3: Jolene is, of course, everyone is drawn to I Will Always Love You, and you just think about the simplicity of it. You and I think we can write a country song because the Mm -hmm. chorus of of that song is, I will always love you, I will always love you, I will always love you. But just like Hank Williams, Uh it's the simplicity requires extraordinary genius. But Jolene... I would have to say, of all of the the music, I, I don't know anything better than Jolie.
2: You know, it's like, it's a perfect song. It's, it's, it's a, a perfect, perfect song. Sure. And
3: so, so there's no polemic here. Mm-hmm. There's no dialectic. But what it's dealing with are the things that the polemics and the dialectics are supposed to deal with and never do because mm-hmm. they immediately default to a kind of binary mm-hmm. uh, response. It's either yes or no. Whereas life... An art which both imitates it and leads it is understanding and tolerating as Winton said in the jazz film that sometimes a thing and the opposite of a thing can be true at the same time mm-hmm. the art can negotiate the undertow the art can accept complication it can accept something that is different from the thing that it's saying and that to me is where our salvation lies mm-hmm. uh, you know even as we think about politics and how things are in such disarray it's that thing i mean i, I i've been out touring the country all over the place sure. and there's been a few times when people have tried to sort of bring in a political dynamic to it. And you realize the way the question's been asked, I said, you've just in some ways implied that some redneck doesn't understand what Hank Williams, a redneck,
2: Mm -hmm.
3: meant when he said, I'm so lonesome I could cry. And I utterly reject your idea that you would presume a lack of humanness in the person that you feel might be a political opposite to you at this, just at this moment. And it got a huge amount of applause, meaning, we need to be reminded that it is possible to transcend what is a fairly superficial Absolutely. binary Absolutely. response That's to Absolutely, Forty country music, or,
2: yeah. or, or, or the sort of the USA, USA yeah. w- country music, which is not even close. To, I who, mean, Woody, there couldn't be someone more progressive than Woody Guthrie. Exactly.
3: Or, who is most definitely country? I mean, Marty Seward says it's sorry that he said I'm sorry that politics got in the way because there's no one more country than Woody Guthrie. Jr.:
2: hundred percent. Yeah. One of the things that that people, you just anything you listen to his is clear. Like there's a straight line. But between them so do, how did you decide between what was country because you know you do have bluegrass you have i mean is patsy climb bluegrass is she country is she or so do you need to define it
3: you don't need to define it. i think right. that's what we found is that just about every time we were attempting to sort of focus down right, On music, nashville presumably country music went in a different direction like we have the nashville sound so the nashville sound is a response to rock and roll rock and roll all of a sudden the co- nobody's buying country anymore so right. they're trying to get some crossover success so instead of fiddles they got violins instead of nasal harmonies they've got the Anita Kerr singers the Jordan era is backing mm-hmm. them up and there's great music I mean the tendency is go oh you've sold out you're trying to be this it's you know Patsy Cline's Crazy uh, mm-hmm. written, written by Willie Nelson who who you know another great who's just unbelievably great is that uh, then it became even sort of worse many purists would say with a country politan sound well the arguably the great country song that most people say is the best country he stopped loving her today by George Jones mm-hmm. is an example of that But then you have the Bakersfield sound, which is Buck Owens following the tradition of the Maddox Brothers and Rose and Merle Haggard Mm -hmm. and then later Dwight Yoakam saying, no, 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 we're going to be unabashed. We're going to keep the twang. We're still about not identity politics, but we're about the experiences of people that were dispossessed. And we know there is a a common theme. You know, if you're called Okies, is that any different, Merle Haggard says, than the way they treated the blacks? Mm -hmm. You know, so all of a sudden you have— a kind of sense of this bubbling up from the people who built the country Mm -hmm. but have never reaped the profits right. or the benefits right, right. from having built the country.
2: Talk about the na- the national impact because I, you're saying the nationalization, but national is still where it's No, at. it's where, where it's at and it's right. always
3: been where it's right. at and it's such a wonderful accident. There's a life insurance company, mm-hmm. the National Life and Accident Insurance Company, which starts a radio station like every other company's. Sears has WLS in Chicago, world's largest store. Mm-hmm. They have WSM in Nashville with a big transmitter. It stands for We shield millions. It's an insurance company mm-hmm. and they put on a barn dance like WLS does, like Charlotte does, like Dallas does, like Shreveport does, like all mm-hmm. these other places, and their barn dance name changes accidentally one night to the Grand Ole Opry. Mm-hmm. And it's the longest running radio program in the history of the It's also centrally located so they don't pay you much on the Opry, but it means that it's second you're done on Saturday night you get in the car and you travel Until the next Saturday night in that area, and you get as many gigs as you can, and then you're back at the Opry. You have to show up back there to be a member of the Opry, but what you do in between— is your business and you do as many gigs as you can.
2: How has that changed? How has Nashville changed in that regard?
3: Well, I think it's still there. It's, uh, you know, the Opry still comes on Saturday Mm -hmm. night. It still puts on, you know, uh, two dozen, three dozen shows a night from gingham dresses to electric, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, bands with drum kits, uh, all that melange that is country music and fills uh, a gigantic auditorium uh, every single year and then broadcast every single Saturday night and then broadcast all across the country. And, you know, the business model has changed a little bit. We're going
2: to get into that the at the business end. business
3: model has completely changed on so many other things that mm-hmm. it would be hard to say, well, country music has really lost its way because women can't get on or this isn't broadcast or some computer is programming mm-hmm. 1,200 channels. This is... It's always been commerce. It was at the very beginning of why we even yeah, know what country. Yeah, talk about
2: the guy—I'm uh, thinking on his Ralph name, Ralph right? Peer. Yes. That yes. was—I so had no a, idea. There's a white this guy— one, I, I thought I knew a lot about country there's music. There's a white guy this-
3: who's selling um, records, mm-hmm. and they're ethnic records, and they're what— All he, he, kinds. All kinds. So it's Romanian, and it's Japanese, and it's French, So and immigrants are
2: coming over. Immigrants,
3: and, and he's trying to supply them with the music demand. from the old country. Right. He's also doing what's called race records, what we would call the blues, right, mm-hmm. and having some success. And then someone says— duh, maybe there might be a market for old-time hill country music, meaning white Anglo-Saxon, Protestant, Scotch-Irish stuff. And there is. And he records this guy in Atlanta named John Carson, who's a factory worker, not been up in the hills for decades, but he changes his name to Fiddlin' John Carson and assumes the rube and the identity of a hillbilly. And for many years, for decades, it's called hillbilly music Mm -hmm. as a kind of... Both derogatory, but as a badge of honor. Just as the N word can't be used by um, the people who mm-hmm. use it in a pejorative sense, but can be used by the people who wear it and say, you know, "F you" right back. It's it's a very interesting dynamic. And, and Dolly says it. You know, you know, we can call each other hillbillies, but but right. you if you call me that from the outside, then you're you're in trouble. Yeah. And, it so to get on. this
2: guy, this guy, this was this was riveting. So he's the one that sort of starts So he to-
3: starts it. He records Phil and John Carson. There's been somebody else who's been recorded, a guy named uh, Eck Robertson from mm-hmm. Texas. And it's sold, and Phil and John Carson sells. And, and then Eck Robertson says, you know, I think if you come down to Virginia, this place in Virginia, I can show you where— this music comes from, mm-hmm. and he's from southwestern Virginia, a town called Galax, or or someone is is from there. And so Ralph Pierce sets up in Bristol, Tennessee, Virginia. This main street is divided; one side's mm-hmm. Tennessee, one side's Virginia. He sets up on the Tennessee side, and um, he comes in and he records lots of groups, and uh, they not but not enough. And then the local paper advertises it, and then the Carter family shows up, and they sing. They've just been doing it like for fun at churches and funerals and and gatherings and they're from Virginia and then Jimmy Rogers shows up accidentally in town and he um he breaks up with his band, the Teneva Ramblers, and uh, then goes in alone, and they become, the you know, it's like lightning striking twice. It's considered, it's called the Big Bang, mm-hmm. and this happened in the summer, August of 1927, and almost on successive sessions. I think it was the first of August that the Carter family was recorded, and then the fifth that Jimmy Rogers came in. And Jimmy Rogers and the Carter family just took off. Mm-hmm. And until the Depression began to crimp sales, they were the hottest, hottest music uh, in that in that field. It was
2: fascinating this guy recognized this. He
3: understood it, and, and right there, he's trying to make a buck. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a creative bone in his body. He does have one. Right. But he's, he knows, as in all things, that there's a, always a commercial element, the way you find out about something. He's taking two technologies, one completely new, and the other been around for a few decades. The, the phonograph has been around for a few decades, right. and people have them. But this thing radio is just starting, and it's, you know, if you looked up in the dictionary the word broadcasting in 1910, it would be a farmer walking along a furrow with a little bag of seeds and him, stre- you know, strewing mm-hmm. the seeds out, broadcasting right. these seeds. You look at it 20 years later, and that's the secondary definition. It means from one point to many points, same idea, of reaching people through this new medium of radio and this is what combines the recording plus the playing. And so in the very beginning most record stations are not for decades are not playing records. People are coming in and shouting at a microphone.
2: Right, right. And
3: that's the way you hear it. That's where the barn dances and the Grand Ole Opry and all the other things get their start. It's really fascinating.
2: when you're talking about, let's talk a little bit about the technologies of it because country music is really the least, we would imagine it's the least technological brand of music. Not a lot of electric, not although increasing, and different people do different things now. Talk a little bit about that impact, because it usually is just one of the instruments, the fiddle, the, the um, banjo, banjo, which comes from Africa, yeah. Uh, and the guitar.
3: Yeah. So it has the sense of being stripped down and spare, but all, from the beginning, there's been this tension between something that's kind of over-orchestrated, if you will, and the pure sound, whatever that is. And I think... In any art form, the artists in any generation don't want to stand still. They don't want to just play the old stuff. They want to go and push, and and it really the audience and the commerce side of it vote on that. Well, we don't like the way you're going, or we do love the way you're going. This is something new. So early tensions, I mean... If you think about the outlaw movement and Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings, that's mm-hmm. rebelling from these over heavily orchestrated sure. stuff and saying, look, just let me go into this uh, studio with just two, you know, three instruments, my guys, right. and just let us record it playing. And the executives listen to redheaded uh, a Stranger and they go, this is a terrible demo. It sounds like a bad demo. Let's just put it out so it'll die a quick death. And then Willie will be more compliant to what we want him to perform. Mm-hmm. And of course, it sells millions of copies and. And they gain a kind of control in saying, no, we can make it the way we want. But this sort of tension is going on to this day. You can Mm -hmm. hear people knocking at the door of country music and saying, well, I guess I'm in Americana and Roots now. I don't know how I got out of country. But country is only male, and country is only this thing that sounds more like pop, and it's got drum kits, and it's heavily electrified. And you can't hear – or the stuff that really distinguishes itself is the stuff that has – a nod to the old stuff that has a twang to it has an edge to it and it may in fact have to do a lot with the life that people have been wrought up in if you're in an upper middle class family, it's hard to speak about some of the things that have characterized country music through the decades. And so right. you're dealing with more nuanced senses of love and loss.
2: Talk a little bit uh, in that way because I think a heavy orchestra as Garth Brooks but he isn't really. He, so, you know what I mean? It's an so, interesting. because so He was sort of the first I think superstar. Would, would you?
3: Well, you know, Jimmy Rogers is the first superstar, superstar but right. then it's a question of level. Yeah. Nobody's been at the level of Garth. Garth and Brooks, and yeah. he's growing up watching these Kiss concerts and, and Queen and, and all mm-hmm. of this sort of stuff so he's into production, but he's as as his wife says in the film, he's as so country as well. Yes, she's she's amazing. amazing she's too. Actually I like she, her better. Nobody's nobody's more country than Garth. Mm-hmm. And yet he brought in these stacks of amps and these fires and right. he's 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 propelled through the air on a Mary Poppins cable. And, and it's But he's, and if you think about it, he's a combination of these beautiful heartache ballads, that's Hank Williams, and these wonderful kind of drinking songs, that's Hank Williams. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you've got somebody who fits in the tradition but has mastered the modern form of presentation. Hank Williams went up and he so wrapped himself and his music and his story, the lyrics around the mic that someone said when when Hank Williams started singing, a naked lady could go by behind in an African elephant and nobody would notice. <laughs> And and that's a testament. And so, you know, and Garth is doing a variation of that. He's so mesmerizing in the showmanship of it, in yeah. the way he sells the songs, yeah. where it, whether it is that heartbreaking ballad. I hate or the that. I love like Garth
2: Brooks so much. I just it, do. I can't help myself. But
3: he's a, he's a wonderful human he, being. Uh, he when is. you meet it's him, it's very clear. I uh, love Trisha.
2: When he married Trisha Yearwood, I was like, I will rethink Garth Brooks. Yeah.
3: No. No. He's he's. <laughs> yes. I think in some ways what we've always wanted our country people to be are these mm-hmm. tragic figures in the Patsy cline no, and, and the hank yeah. williams and the in yeah. the jimmy Rogers mode and he is like vince gill they yeah, vince understand Doy Yoakum. they understand the tragedy they reflect it but there's stuff going on there's a joy of life
2: listen to reba mcintyres and so reba's
3: this exactly although the same although my way. favorite
2: song of hers is fancy like yep. i just love i can listen to that song on repeat and of course jesus take the wheel is my favorite. Favorite country song. I don't know why, but it is. It's, it's, it's totally appropriate. <laughs> I say it all the time to people. Whenever I have a trouble, I'm like, "Jesus, take the wheel." I'm not, I'm not particularly religious in any way, which
3: is... But 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 but, ma'am, I am tonight. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> ma'am, I am
2: tonight. So when you look at modern country, um, I want to. I do want to talk about the impact of, of the internet and music. The changes in music have had on it. Um, you know, you talked about. You referred to Little Nas and. Um, that song and uh, that was an interesting. It was ridiculous to me. I was like, it's obviously a country song, right? Obviously, yeah. a
3: country. So I'm, I'm a little bit out of my depth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are historians. We stopped in the mid '90s at yeah. the height of Garth's popularity when Bill Monroe dies. Then our coda is to follow, too, sort of to least. follow mm-hmm. Johnny Cash to his death in 2003. So that's where it is, and we're aware of what's going on, but we feel uncomfortable commenting on it because Mm -hmm. we don't have, as history requires, the passage of time and therefore the perspective that allows us to triangulate with a little bit more certainty about what's good, what survives. I mean, I couldn't tell you right now who of the top 30 people should be in the pantheon. Mm -hmm. I can tell you in 30 years because we can allow stuff to happen. But I I, I think the things that we see across the board Mm -hmm. in the fact that technology has opened up all of these things and yet is often the tail that wags the dog rather mm-hmm. than the other way around. The way in which not only my children, but but I am captured by these devices that we hold mm-hmm. in our hands. Right. That You can go to a screening of a film in which a filmmaker has worked, in my case, for in country music for eight and a half years, and have a screening in there, a third of the audience it, are on their phones. right? Right. Now you hope that they're tweeting something, but what even does that mean? Because at the end of the day the only thing that matters is meaning. Mm -hmm. And meaning accrues in duration. The work that you're proudest of, the relationships you care the most about, Mm -hmm. have benefited from your sustained attention. And attention is the singular focus. You don't write a great country song because you're inattentive. You write it because you've focused and done it. And that's the story of Hank Williams. Whether he wrote it in 15 minutes or 15 days, that's where it is, or, or, or uh, Vince Gill writing Go Rest High, one of these albums you, one of these songs that you think have been around for hundreds of years, he writes it, writes a verse at the death of his friend Keith Whitley who dies of alcoholism, he sets it aside then his own brother dies a couple years later, so he picks it up again and he finishes it, and it's a beautiful song it's requested whenever anyone passes it's like Amazing Grace or Will the Circle Be Unbroken and then he sings it at George Jones's funeral, and he can't through it he breaks down and cries, and Patty Loveless has to pick him up and carry him I think there's a metaphor here about focused attention. Not a mm-hmm. metaphor. It's just a fact, a truth of life. Mm-hmm. And so much of these technologies with service also don't serve us. You know, my mm-hmm. my daughter goes to—my uh, number three girl, I have four, uh, goes to a private school, just started. And they have a rule that you can't be on your phone as you travel between classes.
2: Yeah, that's a new thing at my and school. So,
3: and so people have to lift their heads up and meet yep. the others. And so you go to the school and you think, wow, what happened? Right. Well, th- what happened is they are not doing what anybody— you and I yep. walked outside today. Yeah, three quarters, if not one hundred percent, of everyone on this block yeah. would be looking down yeah. at their device. And so, how is it that you participate in life? And so, I've I've been very measured in my own acceptance of technology, I'm mm-hmm. just as addicted to this uh, as, as anyone, but I don't get too deep into all of that because I think it is such quicksand, and now we know
2: mm-hmm.
3: from, you know, when you say Initial Siri, studies. order me a pizza, yeah. Yeah. you know, is listening too.
2: Right, 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 right. Vladimir's not listening to that. But when we get back, We're going to talk with Kim Burns about what's changing in the documentary area, including with technology and where he's going with it and thinks about it, we take a quick break. We'll be back after this.
4: Support for this show comes from Fiverr, the world's largest marketplace for freelance services. In the fast-paced world of business, every decision counts. And when it comes to hiring, there's no room for guesswork. That's why Fiverr has developed solutions for businesses to make outsourcing projects simple, quick, and compliant. You can gain access to curated talent through Fiverr Pro's catalog of top freelancers, organized by skill and experience. Streamline your projects with a user-friendly dashboard where you can track progress and collaborate with your team. And for anyone needing the highest level of white glove service, Fiverr Pro's project partners can manage multiple freelancer engagements for you.
2: We're here with Ken Burns, who is a fa- obviously a famous documentarian, um, and he's also the founder of an online video destination called Unum. Now, you talked about not enough, too much Pluribus. Not, not enough, un- enough. Un- Unum. Talk a little about what you're doing there and the impact of technology on your business, on yeah. your documentary. Well, but, those are let two me big just things. say, I watched your entire documentary on an iPad or an iPhone, yeah. which was I did not watch it on television. I you know I signed into PBS app, and I watched it there, and it was yeah. perfectly fine. No,
3: it's it perfectly fine. I, right. we, we, I make it for the, the big screen. Screen, right. uh, of a big TV. I right. mean, I'm even a filmmaker, so I right. love going out to screenings where it's a whole right. wall and you're in a dark room with strangers, which right. I think that communion is super important that mm-hmm. b- brings us together. So let me take the technology part of it and then I'll move to Um. Sure. Is that okay? okay and, yes, please. So my... Profession moved to digital editing around 1990. Right. I moved after 2001. Mm -hmm. I just needed a decade of fury on the part of people from the outside. What, you don't do that? You're still analog. And fury from the inside of people saying, look, you know, I came here to be an intern. And for a while, it was sort of a badge of honor to learn this analog stuff. But, you know you asking me to learn this stuff is like, 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 like I came here to learn how to drive a race car and you're telling me that I need to learn how to shoe a horse right, right. but I needed to get to a place where I knew the tail wouldn't wag the dog because mm-hmm. you get so seduced by that take shortcuts. take shortcuts or you have the tyranny of choice you know when I'm an editor analog I go wow I just asked the editor something it's either going to be two hours or two days mm-hmm. now that two days takes two hours and that two hours takes two minutes mm-hmm. but then that gives you a range of a thousand things and then there's no there there. Right. And then what matters? Right. And there still has to be a thing that matters. So I insist on keeping the form. These are handmade films still, Mm -hmm. even though it's ones and zeros and everybody's got a mouse and a keyboard, which I don't like. I want to be able to hold real one, episode one. And after you and I have dinner, I can say, hey, let me take you back and let me thread this up and show you what we're doing with Huey Long Mm -hmm. or the Civil War or baseball or jazz or whatever it is. Can't happen now. I have to turn on a machine that's worth millions of dollars and do twenty nine. cents steps. And at that point, you're tired and you want to go home and you'll see it on your phone when it's out, Mm -hmm. right? Right. I also didn't switch out of film. Everybody was by 2000 Mm -hmm. out of film and shooting digital Mm -hmm. until 2010, Mm -hmm. because I still wanted the tactile thing. When you've got unlimited amount of digital space to record stuff— there's a lassitude that enters into your work. And so I've always tried to be conservative about that. Not a Luddite. And the same right. as social media. Because
2: people call you quaint or artisanal.
3: <laughs> but but you know, artisanal it. is fine. It's right. handmade. It's not mm-hmm. quaint. We're dealing with mm-hmm. race. We're dealing with gender. We're dealing with really tough stuff. And it brings you to the idea that somehow the past is something simpler than the—and this will get to unum now—than it is. People so you went, I see
2: 2011 is when you went from— to
3: digital, yeah, basically to digital everything, and, and I still take view? my camera around. I'm okay. I still miss the tactile. Mm-hmm. You know, painters wear smocks because they're wor- working in a cellular process. Mm-hmm. F- uh, photographers who are still developing have gloves because it's a sure. chemical process. Everybody else, it's electronic. You're so removed from the tactile stuff. I used to cut film. We used to paste, you know, yep. scotch no, tape it together. I, draw on film. I'm having an existential crisis
2: over buying a Hasselblad digital camera uh, right do
3: now. Do it. Do it. Do it. No, I mean, I want all you the old one. You want the old one. Yeah, I no have I mean, the old I mean, one. ditch the digital part and I just try it.
2: I I can't do it. Yeah,
3: because it's hard, yeah. and, and there are conveniences to it. I can't and do now, it. And now, I mean, I used to draw on a fade-out. Now mm-hmm. I can put a fade-out on. I used to wait until this expensive process called optical printing to put your name on the lower third, journalist, mm-hmm. you know? I mm-hmm. mean, it's just—it's absurd. I can do that now. That's wonderful, but I'm glad I waited, because it kept us in control of the process, and the tail didn't wag the dog. So that's mm-hmm. important.
2: Are you forced to do that now? No, a, not
3: forced. Mind. It's just—it makes sense mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the the advantages far outweigh the stuff, but I will swear by my delay. I think that was an important delay. It just didn't own us in the way I've mm-hmm. seen friends get too— Involved not in content but Within in sort technical. of sizzle, mm-hmm. and I just still want to be working at the end of episode ten mm-hmm. with the same fervor as I did the opening intro of things fire death right. you know mm-hmm. stuff. For us, a big deal is to put a red line under something you right. know just leave it alone. Just tell a story. Story is and then and right. then hundred percent. 100%. 100%. Okay, so we're there. So people say history repeats itself. It does not. Mm-hmm. It's never just tell me one thing that repeated itself. We're condemned to repeat what we don't remember. I understand why that's there, mm-hmm. but it's not true. Mark Twain is supposed to have said history doesn't repeat itself but it rhymes. <laughs> I prefer the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, which says what has been will be again, what has been done will be done again. There's nothing under the sun. sun. Right. So what new that under tells the sun. you that there's nothing new under the sun? What that tells you is that human nature doesn't change, and so that studying history is actually studying the present and the future, and it's the best teacher we have. So if you get into the repetition or you think you can make a—say you want to make a film about a contemporary moment and it's political, it's advocacy, Mm -hmm. whatever, which is fine. First Amendment, everybody gets to do that. There are really great documentaries that come out of that, but it's skywriting. it's gone after the first Zephyr. Mm -hmm. But if you're dealing with these universal themes that we have about Mm -hmm. freedom, the tension between individual freedom, what I want, and collective freedom, what we need, that's been big thing. You're dealing with race. You're dealing with leadership. You're dealing with war. You're dealing with politics. You're dealing with gender. You're dealing with all sorts of themes mm-hmm. that completely recur and reoccur all the time don't repeat. They just, those ideas right. repeat. Right. So what if you could, the way you play disc jockey at home, make a mixtape of the theme. Say, take leadership, right? Right. Or immigration. And you take from all the films that I've done without any sort of conscious sense of marketing oh, or talking, this sort of doing stuff.
2: Themes constantly. And then
3: w- you, you, you've got a little mixtape of 40 minutes or an hour and five minutes or 25 minutes. So Unum is about curating those mixtapes. So the evergreen nature of history and realizing that In the past, we've been able to make presentations about it, but if we interact with the present, if you have John Legend now doing a version of Ohio by Crosby, Steele's Nathan Young, who licensed it to the very first time to us because everybody misuses it, but in our Vietnam series, we weren't going to misuse it. We were going to use it exactly where it should be, and then he comments on it. All of a sudden, you're having a conversation between the past and the present, or maybe the present Mm -hmm. and the past. Mm -hmm. And so Unum is a place to gather together and realize as much as you think this moment is new and it is completely new it's informed by all the ghosts and echoes of right. an inexpressibly so wise past right. and the historical context That's what I mean. gives yeah. you the ability to look and see and understand with a slight bit of distance and maybe dispassion what's going on now so it makes you strangely for all the just the horrible hell of human experience and all of the bad things we've done it's also and the implicit uh, pessimism of human nature doesn't change, meaning you don't get better. We, you can individually make a difference, and stuff mm-hmm. does happen, and dimes are moved just a little bit. It makes you optimistic. It mm-hmm. makes you say, oh, you know what? We can get through this right now because. Remember when this and this? Not that this moment isn't unprecedented. I do that a
2: lot to younger people uh, constantly. I'm like, oh, you don't remember James Watt? Do so, you? Well, let me do, let me do something that's a crisis, li- yes, or, exactly.
3: Or, or the AIDS crisis, yeah. a really good one. I'll give you an example that's a little bit benign, so that we don't have to mm-hmm. have a fight about it—not you and me, right. but just everybody right. in their heads about it. So when the meltdown happened mm-hmm. at the in, uh, end of yesterday's? '08, who had a Who had a meltdown? <laughs> had a meltdown? Like, let's guess. Let me guess. <laughs> let me guess. Um, so when the financial meltdown happened at the yeah. end of 08 in 2009, I had people come to me even people in the financial services and said, Ken, Ken, this is like the depression, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I said, in the depression in many American cities the animals in the zoo were shot and the meat distributed to the poor. Mm -hmm. When that happens I'll agree we're in a depression. Mm-hmm. So all that permitted was, whoa, 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 hang on, folks. The sky is not falling. This sure. is really bad. It's a horrible, devastating uh-huh. uh, a financial crisis out of which many millions of people who feel dissatisfied and feel that their stories aren't being told and have aligned themselves with someone they think tells their story but has no idea what their story is, mm-hmm. that's another story for another time, you know, or have not benefit, have not exited from that thing as most everybody else has mm-hmm. and we're not mindful of it. It's been painful but it's not the depression.
2: Right. So it's you're not to the depression where prisoners
3: do that. So you can have conversations and you can, sometimes okay. it's startling echoes. Let me give you a really good example. So mm-hmm. two years ago just think where you were late summer of 17, what had happened. We had a new administration in for about Mm -hmm. seven, eight months. I was out on the road promoting a film that I'd spent 10 years working on, 10 and a half years working on about the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And I would say, what if I told you I had been working on a film about mass demonstrations taking place all across the country against the current administration, about a White House in disarray obsessed with leaks, about a president sure the media was lying about and making up stories, about asymmetrical warfare that confounded the mighty might of the U.S. military, about uh, huge big document drops of stolen classified material into the public sphere that destabilized the political mm-hmm. uh, conversation and the conventional wisdom, and accusations that a political party Party reached out to a foreign power at the time of a national election to affect that election. Mm-hmm. You would tell me I've been talking about the last two years. But all of those things were true in December of 2006 when I began work on the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. And they were true when we locked the picture, meaning no more editorial work, in December of 2015, a month before the Iowa caucus.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That tells you it rhymes. I could take another film. What if I told you I'd been working on a film for many years about single right-wing, single-issue political campaigns that metastasized with horrible, unintended consequences, about the demonization of recent immigrant groups to the United States, mm-hmm. about smear campaigns during a presidential election style that un- the likes of which no one had seen. Unprecedented. And that a whole group of people felt that they'd lost control of their country and want to take it back. This is a film that came out in 2011, um, right mm-hmm. after the Tea Party ascension, right? Mm-hmm. And it was about prohibition. Right and so you go prohibition it's about flappers and gangsters and you go yeah, yeah but that's not the important part it's that single issue political mm-hmm. campaign with unintended consequences so
2: so this site will do trying to make connection you're trying to make connections is what you're trying make to make
3: connections in the present with a kind of drumbeat of the sense of if it doesn't repeat itself there are at least themes there are motifs uh, there are echoes that mm-hmm. speak to us and that it might be possible to arm ourselves in the best sense of the word as i did among my friends at the time of the Mel- down with -hmm. regard to the seriousness of the recession versus depression, and be able to understand and have a more, I would say, a more conscious, a more informed, but also perhaps an even civil discourse about stuff. Because right now, you can't talk about anything without it devolving.
2: You're using an online destination. Do you think online has done that more, or did other mediums do the same thing?
3: Well, I think we're all about, human beings are about convening. Um, when I talked about the communion between strangers in dark rooms, which mm-hmm. is the cinema experience, mm-hmm. we're talking about convening. Marketplaces about convening. So we've created different, now electronic marketplaces. We just have to make sure because we now have theaters in which you can scream fire. Mm-hmm. and no, and everyone gets away with it. It's against the law. Mm-hmm. Freedom of speech goes up to that point where you endanger others with the screaming fire. You cause a stampede when there's not a fire, and that's not what we're supposed to do. I think, unfortunately, we have a medium. It's impossible to get the genie back in the bottle. You can't put the toothpaste back in the mm-hmm. tube here. Mm-hmm. We just have to figure out how to regulate without— Destroying what are the important aspects of it? You want to find out why it is that you could watch the 1980 Olymp- know the results of the 1980 Olympics before the broadcast on ABC because you have because there was a Canadian uh, broadcasting group that had an international right, and the game happened in the afternoon, and everybody said shh, shh, shh and we right. watched it in prime time, and you know, yeah, you can, you, I can look that up in 30 seconds and find out the answer to that question, mm-hmm. right? and we can find out all that stuff, but we've now seen what we could do with regard to the sacredness of our election process right. to the ability to then discount even truth that one and one doesn't equal so two. So how
2: does that so people pay pay for this? No,
3: no, no it's, it's on every platform it's, every, it's free and, and what we'll do is we'll keep adding things as films are made but the whole backlist yeah. Yeah, are evergreen and, and that's something I left out these themes are all evergreen the, mm-hmm. these themes are not going away you can righteously be indignant about this moment that happened but mm-hmm. then that moment's past, but if you're talking about the underlying themes of that moment and what it might be, say, immigration or leadership or race or war or politics or all of these things. You have an ability to continue a conversation. And what I found out on the road promoting every film, and certainly country, which has had mm-hmm. the most emotional response to it since my Civil War series back in 1990, sure. is well, that, that we're is... all together. So, I, so if I work in this place between the U.S., all my films are about the U.S., but it's also about us. What I've understood is that there's no them. Mm-hmm. And all we do in our binary politics is make a them. Yeah. There's no them. There's yeah. only us. And that's was, that it, idea of the alloy.
2: Yeah. I was in uh, Kentucky talking to coal miners about digital stuff, which was I was arguing with them that they're never going to be digital people. You know what I mean? Like, And coal mining isn't coming back. We were in this argument. And someone was like, oh, we're the real Americans. I said, I'm a real American. Yeah, I just live in California. Yeah. just like it was really interesting, and then you, that that was a moment. Like I remember thinking about that. It just occurred to me that Donald Trump is a country song. Actually, <laughs> sooner or later, someone's going to lose a trailer. Um, but- well,
3: you, what what I would say is Richard Powers, the novelist, said that. The best arguments in the world mm-hmm. won't change a single person's mind. The only thing that can do that is a good story. Right. And if that's the truth, and I think the story that we're operating under right now and have for the last few years have been I can go out on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and get away with it. Right. When that story changes— this will most definitely be a country song because yeah. what you need yeah. is not <laughs> just the beginning song. and the middle and the end.
2: Yeah. Oh, you need you someone's going to lose a track. You need
3: somebody. Yeah. You need the last line to say "breaking boulders and sing sing" or something yeah. Like,
2: yeah, that. Exactly like that. Yeah, exactly So w- I have two more questions. One is: do you have a favorite country music singer? Do you, did you? Do, uh, I, Dolly Parton is mine. I think if I, 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 I had to pick it, I, I, I find it to
3: impossible to pick. Uh, Dolly and Hank Williams, I think. Mm-hmm. Are I, I just I mean this is a guy who can write I got a hot rod Ford and a two dollar bill and I know a place right over the hill and hey mm-hmm. good looking he's just <laughs> the joy of new love mm-hmm. and he can write the silence of a falling star lights up a purple sky and as I wonder where you are I'm so lonesome I could cry I mean great song I mean this is yeah. it. but then you have Jolene and you have I will always love you um, Chris Christopherson took the elemental poetry the hillbilly (laughs) Shakespeare Hank Williams was and added William Blake and Shakespeare to it and Federico Fellini Mm -hmm. as you'll see in the series and makes songs of such complicated intimacy not just me and and Bobby McGee but Sunday Morning Coming Down Sunday
2: Morning Coming Down it, 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 an we, an we, ta- we dissect
3: song. both those songs, but it's song. so many things, talking about relationships between human beings, physical, sexual relationships between, you know, mm-hmm. hold your warm and tender body close mm-hmm. to mine. I mean, these are stuff that w- wasn't being sung in country music or in pop because we we don't know how to do it without euphemism.
2: No, that is a painful song, Sunday Morning Coming Down. Sunday
3: Morning Coming Down I was
2: just—I just—I recently had a uh, baby, and I was listening to it, and I felt so sad for that—for Johnny Cash or whoever— for- Ooh, was, for Chris. Chris, yeah. but I was listening to Johnny, Chris, yeah, yeah. Listening Johnny Cash. Johnny saying, Cash heard it and he um, said, I
3: thought that I had written every that's lyric right. That's it.
2: That's right. I was listening to the Johnny Cash version and it was like, uh, it was such a sad song. And I was thinking, you know, th- oh, it's an amazing song. People it's forget about it. It's an
3: amazing song. And I think that songs that we like the most are the songs that are so utterly familiar that we kind of own them. Mm-hmm. We feel like, yes, yeah. I, I know that. Yeah. I could have written that.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. It made it was so so human, so much humanness in that song, or No, yeah, well, that's I think
3: the gift of, yeah. of all of these elemental, right. you know, forms like like the blues and like rhythm and blues and and some pop that hasn't been corrupted and and country is and yeah. and rock is that we're just saying I love you. Why don't you love me? I'm so happy that you love me. I all the various permutations yeah. of yeah. of of what we want. And for me, the sad songs are the ones that like whiskey Have, the, have, oh, have the that's yeah. amazing. That's a great unbelievable. Unbelievable.
2: That guy. Which what is his name? The Whiskey and Me guy. Ah, Chris, Chris killing me. Anyway, he's amazing. He has like ten songs. Oh, I just
3: <laughs> fell out of my brain. Yeah.
2: Chris, Chris, ah, he's gonna, he's gonna, I'll, I'll, get, I'll put it in the story. Lastly, what are you doing next? What is the next thing? I'm
3: working on seven films uh, in various stages of Undress. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Ernest Hemingway. We're doing oh, Muhammad man. Ali. The next war, if it sounds so horrible to say, is the American Revolution. I'm always interested in oh, doing war be because it brings out obviously the worst, George but it Washington. also brings about the best. And this is a great story, George Washington, George Washington. Franklin, yeah, uh, but Hamilton. we're also telling what, what, if you're an African American what do you do? Right. Where, where you got the most radical people are mm-hmm. the southern planters they're using images of slavery mm-hmm. to describe what, what King George is doing to them. Oh yeah but but but, but all of their comfortable life is made yeah. possible by people I don't pay, mm-hmm. right? Um, this is a complicated—if you're a woman, if you're a yeoman, middle-class guy, if you're Native American, yeah. this is a big thing. If you're a Tory, if you— It if is. You, it's the, one of the
2: And it's—you know, they, we like
3: to say the Civil War is brother against irony. brother. It's not. It's section against section. The American Revolution is brother against brother. It's yeah. father against son. Uh, Fra- yeah, uh, Franklin's Franklin, son— That's a great— —son was the royal governor of New Jersey. Uh, that's a
2: great story. And it, it, to it, me it's just, a, you know it So we're doing that. We're doing the
3: history of the United States— Can and and his Holocaust. jauntiness,
2: you're like, no, this was dark. No, it was dark,
3: dark, dark. dark. And he's Franklins. an illegitimate son, and he has an illegitimate son yeah. who Franklin— Raises mm-hmm. and never really gives back to the father. I mean, it's just yeah, Franklin, so one. unbelievable. He's a package yeah, and we're doing a separate biography country of Franklin songs himself. We're doing a history of the U.S. and the Holocaust, which uh-huh. people always ask us about. We're doing the Great Society, LBJ's tra- wow. tragic attempt, and we're doing a sort of a biography of the Buffalo, that is oh. to say, it's a tale a parable, perhaps, of de-extinction, right? This was an animal that was sustainable food for millennia, and then all of a sudden, in three generations, you couldn't find a breeding pair, but there were a handful of breeding pairs, and we brought it back from the brink of extinction. We're in a situation- We got them in San
2: Francisco. You do. The internet people pay for them.
3: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) They're
2: good for something. Yes, (laughs) and the old media
3: people, like Ted Turner, are the ones that helped save them. Oh, does he have buffalo, too? He's got more buffalo than anybody else. The the internet people pay for, and they're
2: in some field, (laughs) in a park, it's lovely. Anyway, Ken, I would talk to you for hours. This is great, I'm so excited. Everyone not, must watch country music. It's a beautiful... Thank you. It's, Thank I, I have to say, one we didn't talk about maybe another time was your Gettysburg Address oh, uh, documentary. Oh, where the kids which, with learning differences. Yes, yeah. it was amazing. Amazing piece of writing. But this one is absolutely... If you don't think you like country music, you actually do. Well, I, made you it, I made it I made it for it.
3: everybody who says, I don't know country music or I don't like you do. it. You Because I knew I'd get the fans in, but this is... You
2: don't have to watch Hee Haw, but I like Hee Haw. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's a really important documentary and you should all watch it. Thank you, Ken, for coming on the show. It's
3: been my pleasure. Thank you. You can
2: follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. My executive producer, Erica Anderson, is at Erica America. My producer, Eric Johnson, is at Hey Hey ESJ. Ken, where can people find you and your work online? Unum,
3: where do they find Uh, you? Unum, uh, which is uh, connected to PBS and at Ken Burns. Okay.
2: And and they can find that. Is there country music specials? You
3: you know, if you go to pbs.org slash country music, you can get all the stuff that you need. And as
2: I did, sign up for your local PBS station. Yeah, please do do that.
3: And join Passport, which means you'll be able to stream. For free for uh, you know an awfully long time, and and if you wanted to buy an old anachronistic uh, DVD, then then my children and my grandchildren you would thank you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you.
3: You might be able to if you give uh, enough, but so my my children and my grandchildren would still thank you.
2: All right, if you uh, you seem to be doing okay though, if you like this episode, we really appreciate it if you shared it with a friend, and make sure to check out our newest podcast, Reset. Just search for it in your podcasting app of choice. Thanks also to our editor Joel Robbie. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.